Welcome to PCB Chat, where we talk with experts across the printed circuit design, manufacturing, and electronic supply chain fields. I'm Mike Buto, Editor-in-Chief of PCDNF and Circuits Assembly. First, a word from today's sponsor. Are your PCB buyers staying competitive in the face of COVID-19 restrictions, increased raw material and precious metal costs, rising freight prices, and a less competitive U.S. dollar? Learn how to save up to 25% on your PCB purchases through a new webinar from board buying expert Greg Papandrew. Register now at PCBToday.com. We are talking today with Andy Canterparty, the global business leader, films, and laminates of the Interconnect Solutions Unit of DuPont Electronics and Imaging. So Andy, I want to thank you for making the time to talk with me today. A little over two years ago, DuPont opened the Silicon Valley Technology Center. And what I'd like to do is start by revisiting the thinking behind that investment decision and then tell me how it's panned out so far. A little over two years ago, it's also constantly around the same time that we had merged as Dow and DuPont and we were establishing a merged company, Dow DuPont, uh, overall. And we were taking a hard look at where our footprint was in terms of where we should be doing our innovation activities with our customers, where we need to be doing our application development work and technical work related to that so that we can be close to customers. So uh, certainly one of the areas that we serve with our material solutions from DuPont, and at that time we were calling ourselves Dow DuPont, and since then we have split, as you may know, and, and now we're the new DuPont, uh, focused on specialty products and solutions. But it's as true as it was that day when we opened the center that we needed to be close to the firms in Silicon Valley that are related to all the electronics activities as well as uh, leading edge uh, um, transportation automotive activities and, and a variety of other sectors uh, that Silicon Valley has really uh, continued to pioneer. So we wanted to be close to it and uh, establish the innovation center here and the Silicon Valley Tech Center that supports all the application work with our customers here. And uh, that journey has continued. In fact, we have continued to expand our footprint in terms of our lab capability and work that we're able to do with our customers. And we've had a lot of good success working with our OEM partners as well as um, uh, circuit board manufacturers um, in, in terms of uh, how how they uh, supply those leading edge solutions that are necessary to to get into all these devices that have you know continue to evolve as as we talk about right. So just to clarify, the Silicon Valley Technology Center really is more than a show place. It's really just it's a it's a functioning application center. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, um, we we you know we we certainly want to share. Uh, with uh, with customers, uh, what we have done and what we are capable of doing, and there's uh, that that portion of what we do at the Silicon Valley Tech Center is only the tip of the iceberg. We actually do uh, active engagements with customers on trying to solve their problems at the innovation center. What we typically do is is working sessions to share with them what kind of materials and products Dupont as a corporation can provide to them. Uh, and then we take it one step further with engagements with our scientists and engineers that are located, co-located here at Silicon Valley Tech Center to work on specific projects that come out of those discussions. 
so that we can help them solve their problems for next generation products or systems that they're looking at. So, you know, for example, one of the areas that we really drive, uh, um, have driven a lot of activity, I should say, uh, is in is in what we call high speed, high frequency, which you know most people tend to refer to as a as the coming of five G, right? Um, and so we talk about data data transmission, high speed, high frequency data transmission as a, as a focus area, and we have some lab capability here that is absolutely world class. I mean, we can measure measure properties on on materials as well as on on module level, module level, so, you know, module level uh, for high frequencies up to like 110 gigahertz, uh, which which allows us the capability to engage with telecom data center folks that are working on new systems and improvements for that uh, around data transmission, uh, but also you know consumer electronics, certainly aerospace and defense and automotive are also areas that we focus on. So if you look at it. From an electronic standpoint, we have done a lot of work here, and we also have capability here to support other polymer needs in in, in the transportation industrial area as well. Um, so, it, it, you know, while our major focus uh, here uh, is on electronics, uh, given the types of customers that we are a- able to access here in Silicon Valley, we do we do also uh, work on programs beyond that here. But it isn't, you know, to your point, Mike, uh, this is actually a, very much a functioning application development center that is able to engage internally within DuPont to all the R&D centers we have within our business units. So electronics and imaging being a business unit, we have R&D centers all over the world. Uh, and I sit within Interconnect Solutions, uh, which is a business that uh, focuses on you know, enabling our customers uh, to, you know, have their devices transmit signals uh, from point A to point B within a circuit or within a device or between devices, from, you know, from a wireless communication standpoint, right? So we are we are really focused on uh, interconnections, uh, interconnect solutions. And so um, that, that, that area tends to be um, um, a, a significant focus as well for us here in Silicon Valley. That's why I'm located, uh, co-located with the uh, with the scientists and engineers here as well. So I'd like to talk more about the applications in a moment, but sure. um, <clears throat> I, I want to pivot first to the Circleville, Ohio plant. Du- Dupont allocated, I think it was 220 million, was what was listed in the press release um, sure. toward expansion at that plant, and you broke ground there in October of 2019. Yep. What is the status of that expansion? Is it up and is everything up and running now? We expect it to be fully functional in the second half of 2021. Uh, we have been building this site, uh, and there is a lot of activity going on there. Uh, so, despite the current COVID environment, we've, we've taken all the precautions, and we continue to have uh, significant activity at the at the plant site. And we're building, we're building, and we we're on track. The timing was. Expected to be second half of 2021, and that's what—that's where we are at this point. We are on track. I know that Circleville produces materials for more than just printed circuit applications. Absolutely. Can you do a can you do a quick walkthrough of what other industries you support there? This uh, Circleville site produces much of our polyimide film. We produce it in other places as well, um, and 
you know, you you have heard of our Capton branded products or our Oasis branded products, um, as well as our Pyrolux and Intera branded products. Uh, Capton and Oasis are either uh, plain polyimid films or coated or laminated polyimids, uh, where we may have laminated something with a uh, fluoropolymer, for instance, um, or we may have coated it with, uh, with, with, with some other specialized uh, material to enable um, a variety of applications, right? So the Captown Oasis platform in general, um, you know, goes into wire insulation material. Oasis is a, a used a lot in our aerospace applications. So we, we work with OEMs um, that, that put it into a variety of uh, different uh, specific end uses within aerospace. We also supply into the automotive uh, application we supply into e-motors, uh, electric motors applications, whether that's rail motors or whether that's um, other applications in, in oil and gas and whatnot. So we, we are in a variety of applications when it comes to polyimid film uh, that's modified in, in many different ways and then further downstream processed by our customers to meet those requirements. You know, the one common theme I'll tell you, Mike, is that if it's a if it's a severe environment, if it requires all kinds of durability and, and performance, it is a high performance material, high reliability material, and and that's how we 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 uh, uh, we see the uh, customers see it as well, and and that's how they adopt those materials. That's why they adopt those materials. Pyrolux is our flex laminate brand, so we we produce the polyimid film in places like Circle, Ohio. Um, and then we do take it and further process it where we we would laminate it to, to create copper-coated clads, right? Flex copper-coated clads, we call them FCCL. That goes into a variety of flex circuit applications, whether that's in um, in high-reliability high aerospace-type applications or whether that's in uh, um, medical applications sometimes. Uh, but also very much in consumer electronics and uh, telecom, those kinds of places that we go into. The last one I mentioned was an Intera brand of products, which is also using a polyimid core. It's a copper clad. So the the copper clad there are used as um, embedded capacitance materials. Uh, And we're seeing some adoption, increase in adoption of that material. It's been around for a long time, but what we're seeing now more and more as there is a need to uh, reduce the the footprint or to be able to put more in a in a server, for example, server rack, for example, people are looking at those kinds of designs because it does allow them to reduce the uh, uh, the size of the uh, overall package that they need. So there's a variety of things that we do, uh, and those are the kinds of places we're going to. So it's not just electronics; it goes into industrial, aerospace, auto markets as well. So I have to ask then, how much of the production from Circleville is for North American consumption? I actually don't don't have an exact uh, uh, ratio to give you. Uh, rather than think of it that way, the way I think about it is being in Circleville, Ohio, where we also have an R&D facility for developing new materials. What it allows us to do is to actually work with um, many of the product designers and OEMs that actually are looking for materials that are next generation materials that then get adopted. Another way to think about this is how much of the product design gets done in North America is the way I'd like to think about it. 
And I'd say the preponderance of what we design um, uh, is what our customers design. Uh, we see them happen in North America and the specifications are earned here. So having the R&D and the production facility here in Ohio uh, serve that uh, is, a, is, 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 is of significance to us, certainly. Okay. I don't know that it, you know, I, I, you know, in general, I can tell you, but this is not about just our cap down our prior looks lines in general, you know, as you know, there's a significant amount of electronics production in Asia. Uh, and I'd say we're, we're no different than anybody else in terms of how much, uh, how much sales we have in, in Asia versus, you know, America's or EMEA. And we can get you those numbers later if you're interested. Well, I, I think that you addressed the larger point, right? So, you know, the U.S., which makes up almost all the North American PCB market, is down to a couple hundred fabricators and roughly $3 billion a year in output. And Flex, of course, only makes up a smaller percentage of that. So, um, so you know, if you look at it from simply a standpoint of is there enough production business here to, to support DuPont's long-term presence, that's only one side of it or one part of the picture, right? You noted the preponderance of, of the design activity, and I think that that really is where we're getting at the, that's really the heart of the matter, right? That's what really influences supplier presence at this point, because there's so many companies, not only the, the ones that are really well-known in the top of their markets, like Amazon, or sorry, like uh, Apple, but companies that in, in an electronic sense really barely existed 10, 15 years ago, like the Teslas and the Amazons and things like that, mm -hmm. who are, you know, have gone from nowhere to being, you know, you know, again, top of the industry players. And, you know, I have, uh, I haven't taken them apart yet, but I have a Nest Mini and an Alexa here in my office. <laughs> I don't know how many flex boards are in there. Um, I imagine that there's something in there. And at some point, you know, maybe in the next year, I'll, you know, I'll, I will, spill something on them or upgrade and and I always take apart what I had so um I guess I'll find out and and yet to your point you know by the way just so you're aware in in, in interconnect solutions um although my my focus is more on the captown and pyrolux brands in that business we also have a, a another line of business that focuses on imaging film which we call Ristan, mm -hmm. uh as yep. well as our metallization chemistry products and by the way, we produce those globally, right? We produce them in, in the U.S. and uh, as well as in, in, in Asia. You know, it's where, where it makes sense to have some of these uh, facilities, production facilities close to where the customers are going to consume a lot of it. Or also, you know, think about metallization chemistry. You don't want to be shipping those across. So you want to manufacture some of that locally. Uh, so we, we do look at, when, you, when we look at our where where we should be locating our production assets, it's strategic. Uh, it, it is focused, to your point, on there's a lot of these designers and startups that, like you said, oh, oh, 10 years ago, some of these names were not that big, and now they are putting forward requirements and materials and solutions that we better understand and respond to as material solution suppliers. Uh, so we've got to be close to them. And that's the other thing, right? So yeah, like Silicon Valley, tech center for us, Sunnyvale Application Innovation Center that we have, we, we want to be very close to the designers and, and do application development with them. Similarly, we have to have our materials production and R&D facilities in areas where 
we have access to uh, folks that are pushing the envelope of uh, how they're going to use the material. And by the way, we don't we don't discount. You know, you you cannot one cannot forget that the fabrication, the circuits assembly part of it, is not a simple job. And and folks that are doing that work are also continuing to push the boundary and productivity um, uh, that they can achieve. And that has material implications for us. And so we do have large uh, application technical groups, as we call them, that work with our customers, whether that's a circuit assembly type customer, fabricator, or whether that's um, an OEM or a designer that actually has certain requirements. So we do, we do have all of that globally. But we've got to we've got to be thinking about this around how do we solve those problems that allows you to have that Nest or or, or Alexa, and you shouldn't have to worry about whether it's got a flex circuit or a or a rigid circuit or a rigid flex. It doesn't matter. It has to when you, when you ask Alexa to play the song you like, it needs to do it right. So that's what we need. <laughs> you know, you keep leading into my next questions, which is great. Um, what what do you think is the role of the material supplier insofar as helping to drive a market? And do they even have a role? When you say material supply driving the market, I think we're thinking about it the wrong way from my perspective. Okay. We're not here to push a product. We're not here to say, hey, this technology, this material is cool. Try to use it, right? So we're not driving the market in that sense. Enable may be a better word. Perhaps. But I also, we think of our developments and our products as being enabled by the market, actually. Okay, so we think about almost the opposite way. If you just take a look at what's happened now, right, in the, in the just to speak high-speed, high-frequency again as, as an example, uh, it wasn't that long ago that I was, I was carrying a phone that, that is made by Nokia. And it was a texting phone, perhaps. Uh, some people had the a fancier eraser that they could fold, which came later. The amount of technology and information that's getting transmitted now as we've gone from there to where we are today around smartphones is just phenomenal. And, and that's not something as, you know, we enabled achieving that kind of a performance as a material so- solution provider. That's our role. But that need was being created by by innovation that's being done by our customers and our customers' customers and so on, right? I mean, let's just, the other example, you mentioned Tesla or, you, you know, or, or, you know, think of these, all these other automotive companies that are investing in, uh, in autonomous driving. Uh, today, you know, it's, it, it, you know, some, some would argue it's not yet 100% reality, right? And there are other firms that argue that it is a reality and they already have it in their cars. Um, nevertheless, the point is, there's a trend that's saying there's going to be a lot more need for uh, data processing, data on this, data transmission, edge computing, all kinds of different capabilities. And to do that, at the core of it, there are these um, material requirements that, that that are necessary. So, for example, you take you take high-speed data transmission. The more we transmit data in these circuits, which are also getting miniaturized because they want to put it into a nice form factor that you and I can carry in our in our back pockets. You know, there's there's a need for ongoing uh, improvements around 
uh, thermal and other areas, right? And it's a, you know, we want to keep the keep the circuits clean, whether that's in a data center tower or whether that's in a in a in a small handheld device. And so then that that's what excites our scientists and our engineers, and and that we see as our role, saying, okay, what other things do we need to be able to provide to ensure that that this data can be transmitted reliably at the speeds that you want it. And, and that's how we see it. So that's that's taking this, all these market trends and saying at the core, what's happening? How do we then take it back and say, what do we do with that? And so we, we not only look at look at it from you know, interconnect solutions business I'm talking about, looks at it from the circuits and, and also what's happening you know, beyond the chip level, but in terms of the chip and, and what needs to be happening right at the substrate and so forth, there are other aspects, other parts of our electronics and imaging business that actually look at that as well. So as material solutions providers, we are always trying to work with folks that are looking at how they're going to be pushing the capabilities of, uh, of all of these uh, devices and, um, and you know, tools that, that really are, are pushing the uh, edge of human imagination, I think. And I think that's, that's, you know, that's understanding that and working with that is our role. And that's why we need to be close to them, right? I mean, if I'm sitting and the application scientists and engineers are sitting far away from the leading thinkers of that type of uh, advancement that's happening, then we miss the boat. And so our role is to be close to them, understand it, and figure out how we can solve those problems with our capability in science and engineering. Flex materials have come a long way over the past couple of decades. When I started in the industry, they were a specialty material used primarily for passively connecting rigid boards. Now, you know, we commonly see manufacturers soldering components on flex. The materials are used in harsh environments. They're used to handle high-speed transmission lines, as you noted earlier. Where does DuPont see the sweet spot for its materials over the next three to five years? I mean, from an applications perspective. In other words, you know, where, where is business really picking up for you? I mean, certainly high-speed, high-frequency, as I mentioned, whether that's consumer electronics or, or uh, telecom data centers. Uh, so you, you can think of it as high-frequency from a wireless standpoint and high-speed from a wired communication standpoint. Those are areas that are really, really important, and they're, they're continuing to be driven. We've had always a very stable, um, strong presence in some of the higher-performance, high-reliability markets like um, aerospace and defense. And those will continue, and those are not going to go away. Um, but I, I do, I do think uh, if you think about as as we just look at what's happening with uh, uh, with five G infrastructure installations, as well as um, uh, devices that everybody has become reliant on, where you know you want to instantly be able to download a movie and watch it, and you know those kinds of trends and automo- automotive uh, adopting more and more electronics, where again there is a trend around uh, high frequency and high speed uh, data transmission. That's where we see, and, and why flex is something we may ask, and it may not be, you know, I'm not just talking specifically about flex. Uh, I do think that some of the material sets and solutions that we have will be applicable in flex, rigid, uh, and, and, um, and, and many other applications as well. So it's not just a, a flex story to think about uh, that area is what I would say. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah absolutely. 
Yeah. I mean, look, you know, we know through the work, um, both, you know, from the suppliers that have, have shared their research and then some of the consortia like INEMI and certainly HDP, which are looking into what the limitations are of materials. And then, you know, if we can push past some of those, you know, how that affects the, I mean, going from the e-glass to, uh, to copper, if we can affect improvements at, at the glass and resin levels, how will that yeah. play into the copper and, and you know, the, the door to improvements there, right? So you mentioned metallization. And again, you know, I'm going to show my age, but I remember when the industry felt that like five gigabits per second was sort of the, the max we were going to get through a line of, you know, of, of copper. And well, <laughs> we've shown them, haven't we? And I, and I think, you know, and that's the other thing too. So, I mean, I mentioned another area, right? As you increase these, these data transmission rates, you know, uh, yes, there will be some losses, right? And where does that loss appear? Right? Things get hot. And so you got to have material challenges that we have to solve around thermal uh, capability and handling, you know, how do we take the, the heat away? Uh, how do we, how do we maintain the, you know, these are harsh conditions that the materials are going to face, but some of those uh, conditions are created even by the data transmission. And how do we address that? And so those are, those are other challenges associated that are, that are definitely going to be there. I mean, and there are areas around, you know, in EMI shielding and so forth, which people are continuing to address. You know, there's going to be many, many, uh, um, interesting challenges, and 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 we see, you know, from a material standpoint, that the industry has to tackle. And certainly, as a solution provider in the industry, we are focused on how do we how do we help customers uh, overcome those, and and um, you know, that's where we put our science to work. How aggressively does Dupont try to inform, educate, pick a word, the designers, uh, you know, the circuit designers? insofar as the ideal use and the limitations of the material? Well, we, we certainly want to be in conversation when, when they are in the process of thinking through how to solve a problem, right? Um, and so we have, uh, you know, an example like I gave you was we have, the, we have our applications teams in Silicon Valley. We also have applications, uh, technical groups uh, globally, um, and we have leading uh, uh, experts, many of them that you might have even interviewed, talked to, uh, who participate in industry forums, uh, who meet with uh, designers one on one, where we actually are talking to them about what their challenges are. And sometimes, you know, it, it means that understanding their design challenges and even creating new material sets that actually will solve the problem. Because, and this is where this is where it gets interesting. It's not just about telling them the properties or the capabilities of the materials we have, sometimes it's, you know, many times actually, when, when especially you're talking about pushing the envelope, it's having the conversation with them early enough where they're thinking about a specific design element that they want to put in into a device, let's say two, three years down the road, we're already talking to them, or even sometimes it's, it's longer than that in time scale. And we're talking to them to say, what is it that you're trying to solve and how can we how can we help you because we have the toolkit to create different solutions and then how do we work with you and that's that's how we do it and, and i don't know that that's as much of an education of them about how to use and we certainly do that piece as well uh, once we have the materials and if the problem or the challenge is similar to something we have seen elsewhere 
or the industry has solved elsewhere, but there's a different designer who's trying to solve the problem, we will certainly share that information. We do webinars, we do all those kinds of things. But, uh, and also our, our team members go out there and, and spend time with the designers. Um, but, but more importantly, from, from, uh, from an overall industry transformation perspective, I would say we need to be talking to people, and we are, years before that design element even shows up in a device and, and trying to help them solve that problem. Well, Andy, this has been you know, very helpful. Are there any other elements of what DuPont has in its forefront right now that you want to highlight? There's a few things, right? But I, I would highlight one. We are continuing to engage at various points in the electronics value chain, okay? We, we want to work with uh, the, the design firms. We want to work with OEMs who have their own product developers, um, and we also want to work with, uh, and we do work with all the circuit manufacturers and fabricators, as we call them. Right. So we're trying to, and because why, why do you want to work in, with the circuit assembly uh, folks? We want to make sure that it, it actually, our materials process well, the solutions are actually going to meet their need in terms of meeting their productivity requirements and whatnot. So we, we actually look at the whole gamut. Um, and and one of the things that, that I want to, want to share is with this with this uh, uh, bringing together of Dow and DuPont and now this new DuPont um, entity that we're in, that we are, um, especially in the electronics world uh, and electronics and imaging business unit, we have uh, a total solution and we continue to ensure that we can provide um, uh, a complete solution for, for our customers that span the requirements from end to end. And, you know, where we don't have it, we, we are pretty clear that we don't have it. And, and we work on um, if, if it makes sense and if it really does help solve the problem for the customer, we want to make sure we, we develop that capability. That's where we're focusing our efforts. How do, how do we bring in a total solution approach to, to, to the customer, the OEM, to the, to the fabricator? How do, we, how, do we, how do we help them move, move this to the next, next generation? So one, one of the things that I, would, that I would say, and this may be something we can have follow-up discussions around, is how do, we, how do we get that message? How do we help them? You know, to your point about how do we show them that we can solve problems, we, we continue to try and do some outreach, right? A lot of it tends to be uh, folks calling on uh, somebody, uh, uh, you know, at, at a company or individuals and, and, and working, working through their challenges. We also, you know, have folks driving the innovation center and the activities that that gets the message out, so that we can do uh, larger uh, sort of conversations and workshops and sessions with with folks. And we drive communications like this one, where we can we can get our our um, intent out in the market, so that we can get folks to call on us and if they have challenges that that we haven't they haven't discussed with us. Uh, on the same way, what I would say, uh, Mike, and I want to leave the door open with you for this, is in the future, maybe we can also talk about some of these areas in depth. I mean, maybe we can go into a little deeper dive, and, and it may not be me. It, it, it definitely won't be me if it's any anything in depth, but we will get somebody with, with real <laughs> expertise to sit with you and talk about all of these challenges and how we're trying to address them. And maybe we can, we can, we can, or you can even uh, write write pieces that could be helpful. Because at the end of the day, what I'm interested in is that we reach and support the the value chain from end to end. 
that's what we're interested in. Your point is well taken. Uh, the assemblers traditionally haven't been as um, keyed in, I think, on the substrate material. And you know, now, you know, as we've evolved into lead-free solders and there's just so many different alloys out there and the, the, the characteristics um, of how these alloys, you know, interact uh, and the, the soldering temperatures that the, that the substrate is going to be exposed to, it's very different than when everything was just tin lead eutectic. The best practices, of course, are for the, at that kickoff meeting, you know, the circuit board designer would be there, the SI engineer would be there, the firmware uh, engineer would be there, but you'd also have the, the, the systems engineer and the manufacturing engineer, not just the fabricator, but the assembler. Not a whole lot of companies, in my experience, have gotten to that point. It's still a bit staggered. And so the, uh, the DFM rules aren't necessarily put in place. Some of the communications that might take place about how the product is going to be assembled uh, isn't really communicated, uh, you know, up front. So those things aren't hard-coded when they should be. Um, so there's, there's still a big learning curve, I think, for most companies. Some are there, but most of them aren't. Well, and, 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 and if you look at it from, uh, depending on which region you're looking at it, uh, there's also uh, been a change in, in, uh, in, in personnel and, and you know, the demographic changes that we're all living through. I know many PCD manufacturers have had to face the fact that there's a whole bunch of folks that retired not that long ago, and we got a lot of new people too. And so even if the best practices were established, sometimes you have to go back and reestablish them. Right. And it takes, I don't know if you see that, but uh, we certainly see some of those taking place uh, in front of us. Right. Well, this is one of my favorite subjects. You know, I think that the demographics, at least in North America and probably Europe of the PCB industry follow almost like a binomial distribution. Right. You know, the two bumps with the with the far right being folks that are over 55 and the far left being people that are under 35. And the dip is the people between 35 and 55 that left the industry, you know, there was, a, there was a lot of industry drain back in 2001, 2002, yeah. and it didn't really start recovering until after the recession of 08, 09. And, exactly. and so you lost a generation of, of personnel. Right. And so we're, we're dealing with that. And so one of the things that we actually like to do is to take our applications, resources, or our folks that are in our uh, sales and technical, technical sales and service type of functions to actually sit with customers and even do sometimes training sessions with them on what we think would be best practices. And, you know, we also work with our distributor partners to do some of that kind of work and, and we expect them to do that. And, um, you know, you, you probably know DuPont, uh, ha, you know, has uh, Intellectro or ACMS and TriTech and other folks that are distributors here in the U.S. and Canada uh, also have other distributors in Europe like CCI and, and, and others. So we actually work with them pretty closely to to see how we can continue to uh, do those kinds of education training uh, and also address some of the uh, challenges that they're dealing with and try to help them out. It's not always uh, easy to do. Uh, some, of, some of this work, uh, if, if, a, if a company has not adopted best practices, it's it certainly transformational for them if they can make the change and do it because that starts to pay dividends too. So, I mean, there's there's... There's so many things we can talk about there, Mike, but I don't want to extend, you know, your, <laughs> the conversation here on that. I, it's one of my favorite topics as well. 
uh, it takes it takes a lot of effort to bring back uh, knowledge and expertise that might have uh, been lost because of some of those kinds of changes in these companies. A big thank you to my guest, Andy Canterparty of DuPont, and thanks to our sponsor, PCB Today, bringing a new webinar on assessing and managing PCB vendors. Register now at pcbtoday.com. For PCB Chat, this is Mike Buteau. Have a nice day. Mm-hmm.